0: But anyway, I want to talk to you today uh, on this, uh, continue the topic of identity, but I want to define it a little bit more today. I want to talk to you on the topic of stolen identity. Stolen identity. Uh, now I'm going to ask two questions, so listen to the questions before you raise your hand. So how many of you have ever had... Your social security number, your bank accounts hacked, your address, everything. I mean a complete stolen identity. Just Amen. So we had a couple. Now, how many have had just a credit card stolen number and they purchased some things in your on your behalf that you didn't get? Man, a lot of people in this room have have had that. Amen. <laughs> uh it, it's crazy. How people can steal your identity and pose as you and they've never met you. Isn't that crazy? Stolen identity. And I think it's important that we understand stolen identity or our identity. And really we're going to get down to the heart of the matter. And the matter of the heart is what is your identity? How do you identify with Christ? Where is he at in your life? I mean, is, is, are you really just an imposter? Do you carry the name Jesus or a, a Christian? But in reality, your identity really doesn't say that? Just a name in name only? You know, well, Pastor, does that really happen? Go to Revelations and read the, the letters to the seven churches. And he talks about different things. You say you're one thing, but you're not. Goes to the, you say you're this, but you're not. And so there's been some stolen identity. It's been around forever, someone trying to steal the identity of another. Uh, Remember Jacob and Esau? He even went as far as to take some sheep hair and put on his skin. And so his father would recognize him as someone that he wasn't. So a stolen identity has been around forever. So I don't want you to think for one minute that you're out of the out of the loop or that it doesn't apply to you because stolen identity is real. Stolen identity simply is this, is when one person takes the information of another, such as your social security, your address, your name, your account information, etc., and poses as someone else so that they may gain financially. That's typically what we look at when you say, my identity's been stolen. You automatically, you go to financial stuff credit cards, bank accounts. That's typically what we look at, right? So look here, I'm gonna, I've looked up a few things about <clears throat> stolen identity and the, the effect that it has had in just America, okay? Uh, from consumeraffairs.com, they report that account takeovers are a major issue That's something like getting your credit card information and taking that over, okay? It says that account takeover fraud is a type of identity theft in which hackers take control of legitimate individuals' digital identity for financial gain. So they find your Social Security online, your PIN number on the back of a card some way that you put out, and they they account takeovers. It says... Also in this same report, according to a 2021 study, now you need to get this, that 43% of U.S. merchants claimed account takeover fraud. And that accounted for 10% of their chargebacks. And a separate research has reported that 22% of U.S. adults have been victims of account takeovers. 22%. If you look at that number and do the math of about 330, that's about 70 something million people in America. Most of you, at some form, in this room, probably 85% raised your hand that in some way, shape, form, or fashion, that you had had your identity stolen just in this room. Some 70 something million. <clears throat> Another report from cloudwards.net. They report that data from the last few years shows that around 14.4 million people have their identity stolen each year. That's nearly 40,000 cases each day. 40,000 cases each day. Javelin Strategy and Research estimating that there was a new victim of identity theft in the U.S. every two seconds in 2016. Every Two seconds. So while I've been preaching, hundreds already have had their identity stolen. You say, Pastor, where are you going with this? Well, just hang on. The two most targeted people groups to have their identity stolen are the elderly and the children. Elderly because they're so trusting. A lot of the elder folks were raised up in a time where a handshake or your word was good. You didn't need a contract. And they would do everything necessary to, make, to fulfill that handshake or that word spoken. So they're trustworthy people. If you say it, they believe it. You ought to do that. So that's one group. The other group that is targeted is children. And this is why the children. The children are targeted in their identity because when you get born, you apply for a little thing called a social security number. And that social security number identifies you with whatever. The rest of your life, that number goes with you. And in that social security number, uh, once you get older, everything is tied to that. You can't hardly go get a phone now without giving your social security number. I mean, everybody wants your social security for something. And now it's getting Give me the last four digits. Have you ever, ever been asked? Just, just the last four. When you call in to get into your account. They'll say, I need some verification. And generally, one of those things is, what's the last four digits of your social security number? Amen. So these kids, they come into this world, mom and dad doing what we need to do, we go get a social security number for them, and that is attached to that child. And then some hacker gets on there, because believe it or not, even though your child may be at home and so protected, that number is somewhere in a database. That number's in the database already. So hackers get in and they want these young children because they know that there's a clean slate. And watch this. And typically, don't raise your hands, but parents don't go check the social security number or the credit rating of your child. And so when they get this number, they start buying stuff based on this credit card. This this number this social security number and all of a sudden they get a credit rating up there and it's just going on for several years until a child gets older and they try to do something. They say, we well, got bad credit. What? Bad credit? Well, I've never, this child's never bought anything. You know, he's 17 years old, 18 years old. What do you mean got bad credit? And they begin to do research and for years somebody's been using that social security number Stolen identity, and it's usually years before it's found out. I'd like to suggest something to you today. That people come to the church and listen to gospel messages and worship and stick their hands up for years and then realize, I don't even know who I am in Christ. We have teenagers that come to this church and every other church in America that they come week after week to midweek service, to Sunday service, to every function that the youth programs have or the children's program, and they get to about the ninth grade, and they have decided whether they're coming back to church or not. They get off to college, and they hear a left-winged professor Speak about something that sounds good, and he has all the answers. It's right there in the textbook because we've re- rewritten those. And it's right in the textbooks. and guess what? They say, that sounds good. I can believe that. But yet in the church, we didn't give the answers to our kids. And so their identity is stolen. Sitting right in the church, going, going home with good Christian moms and dads, and we're letting our kids' identity be stolen. You know why? Because mom and dad's identity has been stolen. I'm going to share some good stuff with you today, so stay with me. I said last week, and I'll say this week, if you do not know your identity, you cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life. If you're confused about who you are, you sure don't know where you're going. Think about it. If you don't know who you are, How do you know where you're going? You don't. That's why there's so much confusion around transgenderism and little boys and little girls wanting to be the opposite for a while. Church, you get tired of me speaking this, but this is the number one threat to our children today. They're after your kids. They're after our grandkids. What is the devil wanting to do? He's wanting to steal the identity of little Johnny and little Susie. He's wanting to get them confused about even their biological makeup. And if he can do that at an early age at a school or wherever, at a library or at your friend's house that you go to and say, well, that's just innocent. They'll grow out of it. Little Johnny may grow out of it with them, may grow into it with them. Come on, this is good stuff. It's because the church has allowed Our identity to be stolen. I got a deal in the mail the other day from a, uh, I'll say, an acquaintance of mine that has a a project going on that he does a lot of good work, has for several years. And I got a a thing in the mail, and you can like me or dislike me, it it, it doesn't matter, I I don't guess. But on this little flyer, this little missus, come help us, we're having a casino night. We want you to help us with our ministry. We're going to expand the ministry. i think, well, that's one more good way to do it. They said, we'll be playing blackjack and craps and all, all other games. I don't even know what all they play. And, and roulette and all those things. I said, my God, how clever. The enemy is in disguising we're going to have all these games. Call it casino night to expand the ministry. Dear God, man. And I thought you were a pretty sharp, intelligent person. I'm going to call him. I think, dude, what, what, what is this? Anyway, crazy, isn't it? That's one way the enemy just slips right in. Disguise it as ministry, I'll steal your identity as a church. Slip right in. He's not going to jump up and say, hey, I'm here to steal your identity. N- nobody ever calls you on the phone and says, hey, I'm here to steal your identity. Thank you and hang up. No, you realize when you're sitting across from the banker and you're getting a loan and you're sitting there and he says, man, that's great except for this little thing here. Well, what's that? Well, there was $10,000 that you charged, uh, that so-and-so charged off. For what? Well, you had a credit card, a MasterCard, and, and you know, five years ago or last year man, I ain't never had a MasterCard in my life. Somebody stole my identity, and we freak out. Doesn't you know that, that thing that just drops in your gut? You go kind of numb. Not me. You say, somebody stole my identity. That is not right, and you start pleading your case. Don't you? If you've had that happen, you do. And you start telling that banker across that desk, hey, somebody stole my identity. That is not me. You know me. He said, yeah, I know you, but you got to get this straightened out before we can go farther. I think so many times we're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to plead a case. Somebody stole my identity, Lord. That wasn't me. You know that wasn't me. Somebody has stolen my identity and made me do something. that It really wasn't me. Stolen identity. It's a real thing. And it's really in the church, just like it's in society. Stolen identity. It is high time that the church figure out who we are in Christ, what we can do, what we're supposed to do, and then go do it. The enemy has been excellent at figuring out how to mani- mani- manipulate manipulate people. Who has a big right there? He almost tried to get that twisted up manipulate people into doing what he wants them to do and still say, I'm a good Christian. Thank you, Jesus. The devil, Satan, is trying to steal our identity, the who we are in Christ, and make us believe that Jesus doesn't care about you and that you are a nobody from nowhere going nowhere. Satan will stop at nothing to keep you beat up, beat down, confused about who you are, worried about your past, worried that you've you're got too much of a bad past, you're insufficient for the future, and you're confused. Why would God even look at me to even choose me? We read a story of David when Samuel uh, was come to anoint King David. And one of the instructions, as a matter of fact, the only instruction that was given to Samuel about anointing David was, don't look at his stature. Don't look at his size. Don't look at the physical appearance of him. But you look at him like I'm gonna look at him and I'm looking at his heart. And so David's father paraded all of the fine young men in front of him, his first sons, that he thought would be the best. Nope, 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 nope. And there's one more, and he's not it either. Do you have any other sons? I got one little ugly fella out there in the pasture but he's thinketh. He's carrying around the sheep dung, and he's, you know, he, You don't want him. He's a little roody fella. Red-headed, freckled fella. We don't want him. He's not king material. Samuel said, Bring him on in. I won't look at him. And he brings him in. I know, you know, because the dad knew that all the other young men were there. And they probably had their weekly bath early. Had their best stuff on. Probably, maybe even, they uh, tried on some of dad's uh, armor, maybe. Looking good. Went to the tanning bed. I'm talking about looking good. I don't even know what the guys are now. Fabio used to be the guy when I was young. What is it now? It ain't him? (laughs) He was... You know, he was this guy. He was the GQ guy. And I'm sure they paraded. From, and and Sam said, nah, this ain't, no, I don't know. This ain't the guy. And David comes in. He said, that's the one. Don't you know the other guys, the other brothers was mad? They were jealous. And dad said, I going, huh? But when really realized it, uh, David was going to be the king that said, yeah, he's he mine, he's mine. Yep, uh-huh. I, I knew he was going to be something. Come on. See, we want to identify people as the way they look right now. See if the church could ever get to looking at people the way God sees them already. See, it's in our mind that we get hung up on where we used to be. And that's, where, that's why we stay where we used to be. Come on, this is good. I'm going to go somewhere with it. The devil will use your failures, your mistakes, your past, <clears throat> all of the sinful things that you have done to make you believe that that is who you really are, to give you the identity that you've always been a, you've always been a drunk, you've always been an addict, you've always had pornography in your life, you've always been, been a womanizer, you've always done this, these lists, and they, they get larger and larger, and you've just, you're just full of sin, Let me give you a piece of information. We all are full of sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not about what you are. It's what God can be through you that gives you a new identity. It is not what you've done. God will forgive you of everything you've ever done. I wish he could help us to forget it. That would be cool. If I was in the Bible, thank God I'm not. I'd say, Lord, let's put this little clause in there. When I forgive you, I'm going to forget it. That doesn't happen. How many of you know you come get saved? You get up, you still have crazy thoughts. You get up, the Lord's blessed you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I just feel so good. Look, she is so pretty. Ooh. I wonder what she's praying for me. Mm. Now, I know y'all don't have thoughts like in the church because y'all are holy and righteous. Well, I tell you, my flesh is crazy. We have these things. And the devil said, you didn't even get saved, you heathen. You couldn't even, you didn't get three steps back from the altar. And what is wrong with you? You ain't even saved. He said, I guess I ain't. Your spirit's what gets saved. Your flesh has some work to do. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. The real question is this, when it comes to your identity. The real question comes down to this right here. Do you believe what the Bible says is true? If you say you believe it, you got to believe the front to the back, the maps and all that. I believe even the, the concordance up front. I look in there and it says, Psalms, page 1115. I flip right to it because I believe it so much. Guess what? It on, starts on page 1115. You got to believe the whole thing. Watch this. So, if you say you believe the Bible to be true, amen? Can I get a witness? That? When, when somebody says, Is the Bible true? Even Luther, you say, Amen. That's right. That's right. So, the Bible is true. Whether you believe it or not, it's still true. But we're going to assume that everybody here believes that the Bible is true. 100% it's true. Everything in there is for you. Okay? So watch this. If that be the case, and it is, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're taking notes here in a minute, I'm going to give you three things in just a minute, not right now, but I'm going to give you three lies that Satan wants you to believe about your identity. But we're going to start, first of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. And if you have the New Living Translation, it is, it, it words, it's a really good too. So you can go look that up later. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians 5.13 says this. For, uh, did I say second? Did somebody say second? Are you, I did say second? Because that's where we're at. Amen. Okay, Second. 2 Corinthians 5.13. For if we are beside ourselves, King James says, if we're crazy right now, crazy excited right now, we're beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. In other words, we've come to teach you good, it's for you. So if I'm zealous and I'm I'm excited about God, Lord, hallelujah. But if I'm in my right mind, if I calm down enough, I'm going to teach you some good stuff. And this is what he's fixing to teach us, watch. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. That if one died for all, then all died. Okay? So it's speaking of Christ. If one, Christ, died for all, then we all have to die. To, to come into him, if one died for all of us, then we somewhere in, in this journey to get that new identity, we've got to die to the old in order to step into him. Okay? So that's what that's saying in, in, in common language. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who should live no longer for themselves, come on, he died that you don't, you don't live for yourself anymore. See, our identity of the world, when you turn on the television, says it's all about you. You go get it. It's for you, girl. You go. It's all about you. We want you to be, woo. Don't worry about whatever. You, you do you. And let them do them. Christ says, Why don't you just do me and let me worry about them? So, watch, <clears throat> goes on to say this in verse 15. For, he, uh, for you should no longer live for them, says, But for him who died for them and rose again. See, what he's, he's setting the stage that you must die to your old identity. You've got to give that up. Give that to, let Satan have your old identity, because he wants to give you something new. Watch. Verse 16, therefore, from now on, from when? Now, so, so when you come to the altar and you get saved, or today you've you, you just been playing patty cake with God. My, my granddaughter, she ain't not playing patty cake yet. But, but when Sam was little, she wanted to play patty cake. You know, I'm not that coordinated with patty cake stuff. And they want to be doing this, you know, and I can't, I'm thinking. I don't even know I'm supposed to clap, I'm supposed to put my hands up, I just stick my hands up, just to get with it. We get confused trying to play with God. We, we don't know if we're supposed to be clapping, we supposed to, what, what we just hey, get rid of the old identity. Leave it alone. Leave it back at the altar where you left it. What you brought there was the old you. He says, so from now on, in verse 16, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. My God, if the church could just get get that. Quit looking at what people used to be. Quit looking at our current mistakes. We could get and take on Christ's identity. If we could just look at the church the way Christ looks at the church. We can't even love our spouses the way Christ loved the church more or less someone else. When me and my wife have adult discussions, I've noticed that they're easier now that the kids are gone. Beforehand, you'd when them kids leave, we've been having some discussion. Now they're gone. It's like, man, you just jump into it right now. You don't have to wait. Nobody's got to leave the house. No friends have to come over. You just jump right into that adult discussion. I know I'm the only one. I'm just saying. I won't say something else, but I'm going to leave it. I'm just going to, Can I just leave it right there? we got to start loving our wives and our husbands like the church loves. Love is patient. Love is kind. Come on. Love does not envy. It's not jealous. It's not prideful or boastful. It doesn't want to be seen. The devil stole an identity and said, wait a minute, don't you want to be seen? You should get a pat on the back. So many times people are served just a little bit, and then when they don't get enough attaboys, they quit serving and say, Well, nobody appreciates it. Well, were you doing it for Christ or were you doing it for an attaboy? Because if you're doing it for Christ, you don't need an attaboy. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, verse 16, therefore, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. In other words, Paul said, we knew him by the flesh. He walked with us. He was right here with us. He, he was. He walked with us. He taught with us. He taught us. We, we saw him do miracles. He was with us, in, but we don't see him that way anymore. Some totally different changed. Even in the disciples, they view him differently now because obviously he left them. He, how many of you have ever seen Jesus in person? Right here. Nobody. Let me help you with that answer. Nobody. But he's here. He's with you. The Holy Spirit's with you in your, in your heart. He walks with you. He said he'll never leave you, never forsake you. He's got to be here. Either that or the word's a liar. And this word's not lying. You said a while ago you believed it. Okay, verse 17, here it is. Therefore, remember what I teach you about therefore. What's the rest of this stuff therefore? So what's the rest of the scripture therefore? It's for your instruction, watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is now the same creation. Come on, but... Act like you know this word is true. No, that's not what that says, preacher. It says I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. Y'all, is it on the screen? Okay. What things? The old you, the old identity, the way people used to identify you when you were growing up. They said, "He ain't nothing. He just a sorry drunk." He just a sorry womanizer. She's a hoochie mama. Oh, come on. We look at people like that right now. We see them like this. Got them baby daddy. Mm-hmm. You don't know if she got saved or not. If she got saved, you know what? She's as righteous as you are. She's as holy as you are. Come on, her identity is the same in Christ as yours is, high and mighty. Maybe even more. Because that pride comes right before you fall. The all things have passed away. What'd they do? They passed away. I'm, I'm past that. It's like me going down the road and looking at a sign or something. And when you pass it, somebody say, What'd that say? I don't know. In order for me to know what that said, I got to turn around and go back and revisit that place. Some of you need to quit turning around and going back and revisiting the old address you used to live at. It's time to graduate. You move from there, you got a change of address. You got a new identity in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold... All things have become new. That means you and me. All things. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't even know what that used to be, what I used to be. I do, unfortunately, but you know what I'm saying. I love the when when Stephen was being stoned and Paul was there, which used to be Saul at that time, and and so later on. They got to discussing this event of Stephen, the first martyr, and they were talking to Paul, still thinking he saw. And they said, We know you. You were there. You were right there. You commanded Stephen to be stoned. I saw you there. He said, Huh? That no, wasn't me. It was you. You, 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 you held his cloak. You, you were there. I know it was you. He said, Oh, You got me confused. I was Saul then. Now I'm Paul. If we could ever get that in our spirit, oh, that's the old Marty, but this is the new and I'm different. Oh, yeah, I did those things. Okay, let's get on. Move on to something better. God, if we could just have the mindset of Paul. He went on, by the way, the murderous, crazy, wild man, torturing churches and women and children, killing everybody and wrote two-thirds of the 2 Testament. Now you love him. All things are new. When you got saved, you became a new man or a new woman, spiritually speaking. But the problem with accepting our new identity is that we look in the mirror and we do not see any changes. We leave here on a Sunday morning we go home and have an adult discussion with our wives on the way to the restaurant because she can't pick where she wants to eat. And then there's some language that begins to fly out of our mouths. And then some other accusations. And then there's some name calling on both sides. And then your spouse will say, Don't you got saved this morning? Oh, that didn't mean much to you. That's when you want to advance in the years in the Word of God and say, I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to lay hands on you. The problem is we get saved and our spirit gets saved. But you still live in a fleshly body that houses a mind, will, and emotions called your soulish realm realm. And that's what we're working on. See, we, we've got, we're living under the identity of the, of the soulless realm, mind, will, and emotions when we ought to be living in the identity of the spirit man. Two different things I'll show you scripture. It's time that we understand, yes, I live in the flesh. Yes, I have a past. Yes, I have done those things. Yes, I may have a mistake along the way and continue to sometimes fall. But I'm new in Christ. And I'm telling you, it's, a, it's not as easy to fall and make a mistake if you get in God's Word and you stay in it. I don't know of a person that's ever been saved that hadn't made a mistake or sinned since they've gotten saved. I don't know of a one. There, there is one, not one. I mean, there was Jesus and he's gone, so we're not talking about him. But if you get in God's Word, it's a lot harder to, to fall. I didn't say you couldn't. It's a lot harder to. Well, preacher, I got saved all the way through and through. I mean, even my knower down in my want to, everything. I mean, when I left, and my dogs got saved at the house, and they wasn't in Everything got saved. Well, come on up. You need to be a preacher. You need to be the pastor. Tell us how you do that. Because I missed that part in seminary. I just missed that part. It didn't teach us that. So we live in this thing called a fleshly body. So I want to tell you about three lies, three lies Satan wants you to believe about your identity. There's three of them, okay, three lies. Number one, there could be a million more. I'm just going to talk to you about three of them, okay. Number one, and these are the ones that I, I, I think that I see in, in uh, church circles, in, in uh, denominational circles, okay. So that, that's what I'm talking about. Number one, one lie, number one lie. It's not, let me just it. it's not the number one. I don't know which one's number one. I'm just, this is just the order I got. them. That you have to perform for God. You've got to perform for God. You've got to be that mm, for God. You've got to be a performer for God. If you don't do enough, God don't love you. The more you do, the more God loves you. The worse off you are, the less God loves you. That's a lie from the hell. He's trying to steal your identity. because see, that's not what the Word of God says. Watch this. Let's see what what the Word of God says. In Proverbs 21, verse 3, it says, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than a sacrifice. The word here, sacrifice, means to go and perform something. They had to go perform sacrifices. And he said, to do righteousness. In other words, you can't be righteous. There's no way you can do righteousness. He is righteous, and when you're in him, you become righteous, okay? So that's the way righteousness So it's not a work to be righteous. He's saying that you can't do enough. There's nothing you can do to get righteousness. It's, it's not possible. When you get saved, eventually your want to is going to come along. And you're not going to want to do some things the more you get in this word. So watch. <clears throat> Psalms 51 verse 16 says this. For you do not, this is what King David was uh, saying to God after, uh, this Psalms 51 is his prayer of repentance after his um, um, just a fiasco in life. He had done a little murdering, a little adultery, you know, just small things, you know, stuff we do. I mean, not in this church, I mean, the other church. David says this in Psalm 51 16. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give that. You do not delight in a burnt offering. You don't, you, it's not in what I can do. It's not in the sacrifice I give. It's not in that burnt offering, that process, because there was a process to do that. He says, verse 17 the sacrifices are God. And here's what he says This is what I want you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart. You come to him with the brokenness in your heart and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have failed. I need you to help me. I can't make it on my own. I feel like I'm still living the old man, but I need a new me. I need you to show me who I am in you. This is what I like about the last part of verse 17. These, this broken, uh, broken and contrite heart, these, oh God, you will not despise it. You won't reject that. You come to the altar every time you make a million. If you've got to come a million times, come on a million times. Come a million and one. It doesn't make any difference. It does, see, we think once we get saved, we ought to be perfect. And if we go to the altar when the pastor gives an altar call, well, they're gonna think I'm a sinner. Well, you are, you heathen. You did sin. Come again, Lord. It's me again, Lord. He used to be an old old song that says, It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Some of y'all need to get down in y'all's spirit. I need that every day. I'll do something goofy and crazy stupid. Lord, I know you know who I am. I was here about 15 minutes ago. I know you're busy but I got a problem. I know I'm in you, but my mind is telling me I'm still back there. See, come to him and say, Lord, it's me. Broken in contract spirit. Not, not, I don't have to perform. If you're trying to get to God on performance, quit. You're going to worry yourself to death. People ain't going to like you anyway because they're going to know you're fake. Amen. So lie number one, you have to perform for God. Number two, lie number two. This is a big one. Lie number two is insecurity. He wants you to be insecure. In Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says this: "I have been crucified with Christ. The word "crucify" means to kill, to die. It's not living. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus thought enough of you. God thought enough of you that he sent his Son. Jesus said, I'll go and I'll die for them. Why do we say that? I don't know if he loves me. Look here, if I'm going to lay down my life for you, I love you. And that kind of love I'm talking about, it doesn't even measure to God's love for you. He says, but now, so you're in the flesh, you've gotten saved. And 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 you got to start dying to self. You got to crucify. I'm crucified with Christ. You got to see yourself on the cross with Christ, saying, mm, "I'm dead too." But when he gets up, guess what? You get up. When he's renewed, guess what? You're renewed. So he got out of the tomb. How many of you believe that? Oh yeah, it's empty over here. You go look at it. It's empty. He got out. Well, guess what? If I died in Him, I got out. You got to get out of your grave. You got to understand that that thing that was holding you, that addiction, that problem, that lying, or whatever it might be, that insecurity about who God wants you to be, is crucified. I'll tell you a quick story about insecurity. You won't believe this, but when I was a senior in high school, Two things you won't believe. I had enough grad- credits to graduate. <laughs> Woo, my mother just shouted all, thank God. But I had enough where I had a couple classes that I just had to take, just electives. So I thought, well, I'm going to do speech class. that ought to be kind of easy. I'll let up and let few people get up and talk. I didn't know I was going to have to talk. I thought somebody else was going to talk. I didn't talk in high school. Lord does miracles, doesn't he? I couldn't come up with five minutes to talk to you about something in a month. Woo, he's a miracle-working God. And so I got in that class, and she started handing out, uh, what's the word I'm missing about what you're going to do that year? Syllabus. Thank you. Syllabus. I'm looking, thinking, (laughs) no, I'm not talking in front of anybody so I marched myself right up there in front of you. you. know, you got two or three days to change your mind. I marched myself right up and said, I'm in the wrong class. Marty, the only other class you can be in is home ec. I said, sign me up. <laughs> Back then, girls and gays were in home ec, And I wasn't either one of them. I was sure about my identity on both sides of that aisle. I said, but sign me up. I'm not speaking in it." And I thought, Man. And I, I was okay. You know, I was kind of well-known. I wasn't the top dog of the school, but I wasn't on the bottom either, you know. And people say, what are you doing in home ec? <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm the one who got enough electives. I can be in home ec if I want to. you going back to your math class, your basic math class. You're in senior in high school. Go on. So I signed up, and after I realized this ain't a bad class after all, I didn't identify with the gays. A lot of girls in there. I said, My, that's a pretty good move right here. Now, this is all right. I kept that secret to myself. But I was so insecure about me speaking in front of people and writing some papers and how to write a, a discourse on something and then, then, and, and, and then explain it. that I said, no, I'll go down here. I'll be ashamed. I'll be shamed and go to home before I stand up and humiliate myself because I'm insecure in that area. And I believe there's people today that are insecure in what Christ wants you to be. You're insecure. You're thinking, well, I don't have enough knowledge. People's not going to listen to me. I've only been saved for, for, for 12 years. You can graduate high school in 12 years. Come on, you can get out of college in four. What you waiting on? Insecurity causes us to hold back. We get insecure, so we we want to perform for God because we don't think we're good enough, and we don't have enough uh, intellectual theolo- theology in our brains to say I can help someone. So what do we do? We start performing. We want God to like us because I don't really want to study. I don't want to read my Bible, so if I just do more for God, if it looks like I'm busy at the church, then I'm, I'm a good, 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 good Christian. Your identity's been stolen. He uses insecurity. Everybody in this room has something you can do for God. Some of y'all are looking like, yeah, I don't believe that. Pastor, you know, I'm a man, man. Ain't much I can do in the church. I'm not talking about Scotty. <laughs> Scotty, one of the most humble guys. He's he, he, he just a big teddy bear. He's one of the most humble guys, really. He is. But I'm a man's man. Ain't nothing I can do. If your wife makes you clean the rim of your toilet at your house, we got toilets here at the church. Come on. You know they get cleaned. <laughs> somebody cleans them. Somebody vacuums. S- somebody mows the yard. There's something you can do. You don't have to be spiritual sometimes to do something for the Lord. This is what I got. This is what I'll bring, Lord. I don't, maybe, maybe I'm not going to ever be a preacher, but I'll bring what I got, Lord. It may be small to some people, but it's the best I can give to you. Praise God. Some of you probably have noticed when you drove down the drive this morning. My God, I wish they would fix that hole down at the end. There's that gravel. Knock the front end out of my brand new $90,000 car. I tell you what, I'm going to talk to that preacher. There's a few areas I'm not scary in and that's one of them. Come visit me. I'll show you where a tractor and a blade is. You can blade it. I'm being funny. I love you. You know that, right? I'm saying that there's something to be done. Some things you notice. Some things you don't even notice at all. Praise the Lord. Here, Romans 8.4. I'm still talking about insecurity. Lie number two is insecurity. Got another verse. Romans eight fourteen says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. What does it say? You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. When you get here, don't go back again. Don't go back into fear. Fear is of the devil. When you get here, you may, you may be a little insecure about something, but say, Lord, with you, I can do all things. That's what this word says. Didn't you say a while ago you believe the word of God? I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Ooh, preach, that was good not given the spirit of, of, of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Oh, I preach a month on adoption. I understand adoption. I get it. I think everybody in the church ought to adopt somebody. When you adopt somebody here on this earth, it unopens. it opens up a brand new area of God you never even dreamed about. You think, wait a minute, I'm, I get the same stuff? Mm-hmm. Get me all excited? You mean of Paul and, and Silas and Jacob and all? The, I, 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 get, I get the same inheritance? Mm-hmm. He says, it's your heirs with Christ. We're going to read it in a minute. If we can get the idea that we've been adopted in. Woo! Man, that's good stuff. Glory to God. Verse 16, uh, Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you've got something in your spirit telling you that you're not a child of God, you've got a demon hanging around your house. You've got a demon whispering in your ear because he says that my spirit ought to witness with his spirit that I'm a child of the King. See, that's an identity crisis. Oh, I'm I'm hearing this voice and I'm hearing this voice. Well, if it ain't lining up with the word of God, it's the wrong voice. It's a demon. They're really demons, Pastor? They sure are, have been, will be. Come on. And if then children, see, we got to get the first part, that I'm an heir of God, I'm a child of God. If you don't get the first part, you won't get the inheritance part. You won't understand who you are. And, and the enemy starts right here. We read in Mark 4 the other day where it talks about, where it talks about he comes and snatches the word. What? Immediately. Immediately. When you say, Lord, forgive me, amen. Right now, he's trying to take it out of your mind. Immediately. He snatches the word. You go read it. It's a parable of the sower. Immediately. When you get up from here and you start on one step, immediately he's trying to talk you out of it. He's trying to tell you you didn't get saved. Something's wrong with you. You don't look any different. Go look in the bathroom. Go in the mirror. Get out that like, long mirror and see if anything changed about you. No, I'm still two and a quarter. I'm still fat. I still got a big nose. I got bald hair. I'm okay with that. That means, that you know, you got to look at life and look at it good. See, he got off a big nose, mm-hmm. But when we get to running, somebody's after us, I can get more air to my lungs than you can. Come on. See, you got to look at everything, the way God looks at it. Now, God ain't called me to run nowhere, I'm telling you. I know who my Redeemer is. He's just going to have to take me on. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, Uh uh-oh, watch, Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed, come on now, here's the important part. We suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. In other words, if you follow his commandments is really what, if you want to just break that down. See, you have got to understand that you're an heir of God, but you're joint heirs with Christ. In other words, you get to receive what he when he was received back to heaven, guess what? One of you, is you're going to get there too. You're going to have you're going to be a joint heir. I know what joint heir is. It's equal. You 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 you. You 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 you. If you ever gotten an inheritance, your joint heirs is equal I had not got one I just if you have that means Ronnie what you get I get Scotty what you get we've already got two we all together see we look at people who are some big spiritual person we say but I'm not that well, keep trying, but guess what? You're still at join air with Christ. Who's your identity in? Who's it with? Who do you identify with? The question comes more and more rampant and it's everywhere now. Fill out an application. Who do you identify or what do you identify as? You ever seen that on applications yet? Have you seen any of that? How do you identify something of that nature, some, some question? Very. Amen. You don't need to apply for more jobs. Number three. So number one, we had <clears throat> you don't have to perform for God. It, 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 that's a lie from Satan. Number two is insecurity. If you do, Let me just say this. If you do stuff like that to be seen, that's of Satan. Mmm, that hit hit somebody right between the eyes. I felt it because, see, the Bible says that no flesh shall glory in His presence. If you're out in for some, just so people can look at you and look what I've done, that's demonically boat motivated. There ain't no question about it. Hallelujah. All right, third lie, and I'm finishing. The third lie about your identity is believing that your identity is tied to the person you were before accepting Christ. Let me read it again. Your th- the third lie about your identity is believing that your identity is tied to the person you were before accepting Christ. That is a lie. We read the verse a while ago. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says: Therefore, if anyone in Christ is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're brand new. You don't get a brand new body. You don't get a hair, new hairdo. Your nails, you don't. You don't. Get, you don't. It's not like oh, I never had to go get another pedicure, manicure. Yeah, I do it them a lot. You can tell, huh? That doesn't change. Your weight, you don't automatically drop down to the ideal uh, body, uh, what is it, mass uh, BMI. Is that right? Hope I said that right. That's awful close to having a bowel movement right there, just a BMI. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You go to the chart, you see that chart on the wall, and the doctor comes in, he's looking at you, because you're looking at the chart, you're following the weight, the height, Oh, Lord. I told my doctor one time, you need to get somebody to print your chart. That's wrong. He said, no, you're just fat. And I paid him for that. Thank you. You don't change physically. Watch this. Are you ready? Your mind doesn't instantly change to everything God I can prove that to you spiritually I mean scripturally your emotions don't change everything automatically to everything holy and righteous your will what you want to do doesn't automatically just stop and change and you don't do any of that anymore I wish to God it did you know why? Because that part of the soulless realm is housed in the flesh. It's not your spirit. Your soulless realm, mind, will, and emotions don't get saved. It's your spirit that gets saved. The spirit gets saved. we got to work on these other things. And I'm going to show you just a minute scripturally where God tells us to work on each one of them. Because they got to have some work. What does it say? You... You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. You can't get rid of your flesh. And, well, I guess you can because you're going to die. But if you're going to keep on living, you got this flesh and you've got to deal with it. How many of you hadn't had to deal? Don't raise your hands. How many of you had to deal with your flesh this week? If you hadn't, you just keep living. This week's coming. It says you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. My God, if we could understand that it's the old me that dies with Christ. And behold, all things have become new. I am new in Christ Jesus. I am new in Christ Jesus. It's hard to get our minds wrapped around him. Your identity in Christ, watch, is birth. From your spirit, when you get reborn, your identity, a new identity, from your spirit, Jesus, forgive me. Your spirit is saved. But in your mind, will, and emotion, and everybody in there has those three things right now. How many of you have a fleshly body you live in? You can raise your hands on this one. Come on, Jason, raise your hand up high, high. How many of you are emotional people? Here's a good one. How many of you have a will? How many of you really didn't want to come to church this morning? Amen. But you knew you had to see me. Our will. We got to control that thing. Watch this. Your spirit has become new, but your soul, your soulless realm, your mind, will, and emotions have to be discipled. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world. And he's talking to the church at Rome. He's talking to the church house. Don't be conformed to the world. I thought we were saved. You are. Don't be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Your mind didn't get saved. You got to train it to act like it's saved. Come on, it's crazy left by itself. Ask my wife. It's crazy as a shot rabbit most of the time. But I think you're going to make it. I think you're going to make it to heaven. I think. But you got to train your mind. The Bible teaches us, not only here, but, but many times in Colossians, it talks about, about our mind being renewed to Christ. Our mind. It's a thing you think with. I love what James Ashley said one time when John 3 was here. A bunch of guys sitting here. He said, your best thinking got you to John 3, 16. I thought, dear God, man, that's awesome. My best thinking got me in trouble. The best thing I can think got me in trouble. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we'll talk about emotions. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. You go look it up, sight means by feelings or emotions, the way we feel. You shouldn't even read a text when you're in a bad mood from somebody because the emotion in which you are currently in when you read the text will determine what they said and how they said it. And they could be halfway across the world. (coughs) I say, man, tell them what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna just... In your spirit and your mind that you're trying to renew say, you better take that off. That ain't right. <laughs> but I want to. My flesh, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going. Your wife walks in and says, what you doing? Oh, I'm just blessing somebody. You back that up. <laughs> We're not supposed to walk by, by, by our emotions and what we see, but by faith. Lord, I, I don't feel saved today. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced it. There's been days I didn't feel saved. But I was. As my daddy used to say, as sure as God made little Adam, you are. I didn't feel like it though. He would beating you up over this and over that. You didn't grade the road out front. Boy, I'll tell you what, but we're gonna have to do something. <laughs> Well, I'd like to tell you what you can do with that gravel road. Well, that don't feel that ain't being saved, right? That don't sound like a saved person, does it? But I didn't text it. Come on, we got to train these emotions. So that third lie, I got one more. I mean, one more thing I want to say about that. That third lie is, is the believing that your identity is tied to the person you were before accepting Christ. In 2 Corinthians five seven. <clears throat> Um, excuse me in Romans 7 19 says this this is what Paul's saying for the good that I want to do I do not do but the evil I don't want to that's what I end up practicing that's your will I didn't you made, I didn't mean to <laughs> liar now you liar and your will, will still crazy when I was a kid, we get in trouble. My dad had a long belt, quarter-inch thick, leather. He was a cowboy. Whooped you like a whatever, cow, with a cow belt. And get in trouble, and the first words out of my mouth, because I was sharper than my other three siblings, and that's on tape. I would fall at the mercy of my father and say, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Know it in your spirit, you would have done more had you not gotten caught. Because you wanted to. My will, if we're honest, humanity left. Leaving God's word alone, humanity itself—if we leave God's word alone for a few days—we start doing bad things. Just don't read your Bible for. A, I'm not telling you this. I'm just telling you, if you want to, if you need to prove this to yourself, don't read your Bible for a week, and just see what happens. You'll start saying. Little four letter words you used to not say. You'll call your spouse something that you normally don't call her. You'll be listening to stuff you normally don't listen to. You'll be telling little jokes that you normally don't tell. Come on, somebody. It's time that the church found its real identity and who we are in Christ and quit trying to be like the world quit trying to say we just got to be like them so we can win them no, no, you, your mind will and emotion is going to fail you every time why don't we do what the Bible says, you said you believed it a while ago I saw your hands, you said you believed it, he said come you out and be you huh separate He didn't say, come on, join them, be just like them. Come, yeah, and be. He also told you to be holy for he, I am holy. For you to be a same thing as everybody else. No, a peculiar people. So why do we think being like the world is going to win the world? Because we've lost our identity in who Christ has called us to be. He said, come out. you got to come out to get your new identity. We want to stay at the same place, hang out with the same people, get mail at the same address. We want to live there. We don't want to clean out the closet or the, the wine cabinet. And I'm being nice. you got get, You got to get Widow of that alcoholic stuff in your house. It doesn't lead you to Christ. We can talk and debate for, for the next till I die about well, what about the Bible says about wine. Come on, people. Most of you want to drink wine and alcoholic beverages because you want, to, you want to leave, you want to escape something. And when you do it for that purpose, you're wrong. Anything that alters your mind to think correctly on the Word of God That's wrong. It's against biblical teachings. Don't care who it is. Boy, that struck a nerve. Let me close that and get that over and let y'all know we've been to go. If we're going to change the world, if we're going to take this thing back, guess what? If you're going to take your kids back you got to do something different than what we've been doing because what we've been doing has allowed all this stuff to come into our school system, all this stuff to come into our our homes, all this stuff to come into our lives, all this stuff to come into our workplace. Why? Because we're still thinking with the old man. We're identifying with the old person. And you're not that old person anymore. Stand with me across this building. Father, I thank you.